0: Welcome to the North Star Unplugged podcast, brought to you from Bozeman, Montana. Your host is Kristen Rainey, the founder and CEO of North Star Sleep School, providing online and in-person sleep courses to help you get better rest. The North Star Unplugged podcast is about rest and rejuvenation, and it's also about unplugging from technology, transitions, and transformations and spending time and energy on the things that really matter, which are different for all of us. You can find the audio version of the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Finally, you can also see all prior episodes on the North Star Sleep School website at www.northstarsleepschool.com.
1: Hello, and welcome to another episode of North Star Unplugged. I'm your host, Kristen Rainey, and today I'm here with Leon Pellicer, who over the past few years has made some significant lifestyle changes, namely giving up alcohol, meat, and then dairy too. He's an enthusiastic wellness advocate, and includes running, meditation, and healthy eating in his day-to-day, all while raising three beautiful young daughters with his wife and managing a demanding day job on the food team at Google. Leon, welcome to the show, and thanks so much for being here.
2: Thank you for having me, Kristen. Uh, I'm excited.
1: Leon, where are you today?
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm at home in Seattle, Washington, and the little neighborhood of Magnolia, and More specifically, I'm in my garage, which has became my home office, my gym, my storage, and my daughter's uh, playroom as well, I guess, at times.
1: So I imagine uh, there have been a lot of changes for you and your family during COVID. And uh, I know you're taking this interview sitting while you normally uh, have a stand-up desk. Tell us about your stand-up desk and how you've enjoyed that.
2: (laughs) Yes, I do have a stand up desk, uh, and I use it for most of my meetings. I do find it, um, uncomfortable to be sitting for extended periods of time, especially nowadays that we take all of our, uh, meetings remotely and in Zoom or, or Google Meet or, uh, Skype or whatever the platform is. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I have a standing desk. I have a little board actually, <laughs> by the way that I use for balancing as well, just standing on it and try to uh, keep moving. Uh, I, I need the, the blood to, to flow, actually. And yeah, I'm happy to be sitting now with you. It feels different to me. Uh, strange, but comfortable.
1: <laughs> Paint us a picture of your family's new day-to-day in the midst of COVID.
2: Yeah. Um, so like you said, I have three daughters, seven, five, and 3 and uh the oldest one goes to second grade she's doing everything virtual so taking classes at home she's surprisingly uh doing well uh she's thriving in that with that uh, format the, the other two little ones go to la casita feliz here in Queen Anne, uh Spanish speaking pre-k and they're doing well they go three times a week um their names are Adi and Georgia and they're doing well. Uh, my wife is a rock star, super supportive. She does a lot for the family, of course. And uh, I'm just very lucky to have her and and have her support during this time. It's a strange time for all.
1: And how about your day-to-day? Uh, are you basically based in the garage uh, for your <laughs> day-to-day work now?
2: Uh, Pretty much so, however, uh, since the weather started to change and it started to getting rainier and colder, uh, I'm starting to take more meetings in the house, uh, in my dining room table, trying to also stand up there (laughs) to take my meetings. Uh, It's just getting cold and ugly out here. (laughs) On the other hand, it's just very loud and dynamic in the house with, with the little girls. Uh, but yeah, my day to day, i I try to stick to a routine and try to stay engaged, and uh, uh, you know, m- making the best of every day, one day at a time, for sure.
1: What's your job at Google?
2: So I work in the in our food team, in our food at Google uh, team. Uh, I oversee the Pacific Northwest region. That means offices such as Portland, Seattle, Kirkland. Bellevue, Bothell, Redmond, um, and we oversee our food operations or oversaw our food operations when we had operations in, in the offices before the pandemic hit and we closed most of our offices. Uh, we uh, manage our vendor partners to operate and execute our, our food program.
1: So is there are you still busy on a day-to-day basis even though the cafes are closed?
2: Yeah, very good question. Uh, So the short answer is yes. Uh, just a very different kind of busy. Uh, you know, in in the past, it was more about the day to day operations and the program itself. And now it's about reinventing the program and the work uh, or the office from home. And how is that going to look like in the future? We, I guess nobody knows yet, but trying to reinvent that piece.
1: Leon I'd love to dig into your personal wellness journey Um, as I mentioned in the intro you've made some pretty large lifestyle changes for yourself over the past few years can you share more about those changes and why you made them and what inspired them
2: yes thank you for asking and uh, you know I'll I'll be brief and you tell me how much you want me to extend but basically Basically, it started about five years ago when I joined Google. I joined Google September 14th, 2015 in San Francisco, California, uh, coming from New York City in Manhattan when uh, I was working for the Mandarin Oriental Hotel at the time, Mandarin Oriental Hotel in Columbus Circle. And uh, I was a director of food and beverage for that hotel. Very amazing operation, awesome outlets, dynamic uh, catering, fantastic wine program. Um, I'm a certified sommelier uh, by training. And in New York City, with that lifestyle, having wine dinners very regularly, uh, long nights, and just uh, all in all, not the best uh, healthy lifestyle, if you wish. I had my my daughter Mila, my oldest, now seven. At the time, two, um, and my wife in New York City, and it it just wasn't the most healthy lifestyle. You know, I, I was I was drinking a lot. I was uh, dining and whining a lot, staying out night, demanding jobs, uh, and so it it wasn't. It took a toll on my personal life, and my marriage, and in my health. And, uh, you know, stars align that somebody that I used to work with in the past, uh, and Starwood hotels and resorts, Michael Bacher, uh, and I always stayed in touch. And, and so in, um, via LinkedIn, you know, we uh, communicated and he, uh, shared with me the position in Google. I, uh, you know, I'm a hotelier at heart and that's what I've always done. So I had a big hesitation coming into Google, believe it or not. But I made, you know, I made a move. I moved uh, the country with my eight-month pregnant wife, driving because she didn't want to fly. (laughs) So we packed her stuff from New York City and moved to San Francisco, and that actually determined a lot of behavioral habits and just lifestyle changes. Where you know, I decided to leave New York, leave hotels. And leave alcohol. Yes, I gave up alcohol for about three, four years. Four years now, Um, and slowly uh, getting acquainted into the food program and the larger vision and mission that we had at Google. I got actually really inspired on trying different things and trying a more plant-based diet. You know, more grains, more legumes, fruits, vegetables, and I didn't immediately became uh, vegan. Uh, I you know, my journey has been one of slow progression. I gave up meat first red meat then I let go of uh, fish and and chicken uh, then we my wife and I very supportive her all the time. She actually proposed and initiated some of these changes uh, we 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 gave up eggs and dairy uh, you know cheese so we turned into completely vegan uh, a couple of years ago and we've been really really enjoying the experience it's uh it's a process for sure it takes time and it's not for everybody but your palates and your uh systems get used to it for sure
1: was the plan at the very beginning to eventually become vegan or was the plan at the beginning to just have a more plant 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 forward diet or what was sort of the uh, plan at the very beginning or was there no plan
2: (laughs) yeah good question uh so yeah, that's, there was a semi plan. No, the, the plan wasn't to become vegan from the get go. Mm-hmm. That evolved. I, I guess at the beginning it was. So really brief context for three reasons we became vegan, vegetarian. They're vegan. One for health reasons that that's our primary cause. Secondly, for the environment. Uh, you know, we do believe that a vegan diet is more responsibly responsible for the environment. And thirdly, uh, animal welfare. You know we we do believe that uh you know they they also have their souls and their their beings, right, and we want to respect that, but at the same time, we're very open and inclusive, and we don't judge others that think differently than ours. My wife and I have you know stated that very clearly amongst ourselves, and you know that's just our choice uh, my My wife's father-in-law passed away in Georgia because of a very bad diet. And we all know, you know, not only in the South, but everywhere, really, uh, some diets and, you know, fast food habits and highly processed uh, foods are not healthy for us. And so that, that was one of the catalysts, together with joining Food at Google, my father-in-law passing passing away, my daughters, you know, being born and just wanted to contribute to a healthier planet overall. So we didn't have that idea of becoming vegan from the beginning. It, it's just been evolving and we've been truly enjoying it.
1: So you and your wife now are eating a vegan diet. What about your daughters?
2: <laughs> yes. And Nicole, my wife, is just an amazing cook as, in general. But she's, for some reason, she's been getting very interested in vegan cooking. And she has, you know, she follows all these groups and has all these recipes. And, you know, we Anyway, we you know we're we're members of this purple carrot thing, and uh, very interesting. So the the our daughters, to answer your question, in short, they're not vegan necessarily a hundred percent. We let them eat whatever they want. We encourage them to eat you know anything and everything, dairy and meat, and however, uh, two of them, the middle one, uh, for the most part, has chosen to not eat meat. Uh, And she's a very good eater. She surprisingly loves vegetables and legumes and grains. And, you know, she seems to be happy and she's very curious. My wife and I always talk, she really has a gifted palate. She can tell you, I don't know if the diet has anything to do with that, but she's probably the only one that I would say is being on by choice, yes.
1: What's the purple cow reference you mentioned earlier? (laughs)
2: yeah sorry. Purple carrot is a, a company similar to blue apron and another uh, m- packaged meal packaged and delivery companies, but they do strictly vegan actually and we've been members since maybe a year ago. My wife likes it a lot because it it provides the ingredients and it provides recipes but she really is curious and interested in learning new techniques for cooking vegan. And that company has a really good setup and platform to provide those recipes and very much training. And so she plays with that. She orders a couple times a month, and then she ventures on her own, uh, grabbing those recipes as a foundation for further exploration.
1: Did you give up alcohol first or alcohol and meat at the same time? I can't remember.
2: Yeah, I, mm, huh. I gave alcohol. I gave up alcohol first. Um, and, and, and then I gave up, uh, meat and then I gave up cheese and eggs. And in full disclosure, and this, this is good to share as well. I felt that I needed a break a hundred percent from alcohol. So I stopped zero, nada, niente, right? And I did that for two years and a half or so. And in, in socializing with my wife and being more at ease with the idea of uh, having another, you know, a glass of wine here and there and a beer, and uh, I started with her, you know, drinking a glass of wine here and there. And it, it's actually fine. It feels okay to uh, be able to have uh, a glass of wine or, or an after dinner drink or whatever in moderation. You know, it's totally. Different than how I used to drink before.
1: So, when you became a sommelier, was that inspired by uh, passion for wine, or was it inspired by sort of professional development for your career?
2: I, I think both. Um, yes. I so my 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 major, my bachelor, is uh, hospitality uh, management, and. That's what I've always done. You know, I, we moved around the world and we lived in different places. But uh, when we were last in Hawaii, in the island of Kauai, uh, I started running the food and beverage and the wine program. And so as part of the professional development, I uh, applied for my, so there's four levels in, in being a sommelier. There's the entry level, the certified level, the advanced level, and the master sommelier right you want to be a master sommelier that's like a doctorate uh so i have two of those levels i'm a certified sommelier and uh i i did it because i like it i like wine i started understanding how it works how the terroir translates to the glass and how the bouquet and the aroma gets uh, it's influenced by the surroundings or on where the grapes are grown and how is it processed and it I just got very interested and curious about it. So that's that's what I took it together with. Yeah, it it helped my professional development or it, it helped it at the time.
1: The wine class I took during business school was my favorite class in all of business school. And it happened to be not even at the business school. It was across the street. <laughs> <laughs> that's um, awesome. But yeah, I mean, I, I hear you. It's, it's about geography and... Um, and Flavor and culture and science and so many different things. It's so interdisciplinary. Do you miss, do you miss, do you miss it at all? Yeah, sometimes mm-hmm. I do. And
2: mm-hmm. Yeah, sometimes I do. And Nicole knows, my wife. And mm-hmm. when we have a glass of wine, I really, really enjoy a good glass of wine and just try to appreciate all the bouquet and the aromas and the expression uh, uh, fr- from the wine. So I, I do miss it. But to tell you the truth, Kristen, as you know this, uh, part of the training is a lot of drinking, right? And mm-hmm. uh, uh, drinking with a purpose, really, to uh, deductive thinking and uh, uh, on the wine and its characteristics. And that I enjoyed. But, but at times, it became too much. You know, like one thing leads to another and to another, and then it gets out of hand. So I don't miss that part. I actually appreciate just having in moderation, and fully appreciate a good glass of wine. Uh, I think I like that better.
1: (laughs) How did friends and and colleagues react when you started refraining from alcohol during social events? Were they um, supportive? Were they confused? Uh, Did they give you a hard time?
2: Yeah, no, they didn't. For the most part, everybody was supportive. Uh, You do feel, but I think that's on on us, right? On those of us that choose not to drink, you feel a little strange and out of place at times. Uh, but, you know, if you, you know, you, know you, you have a strong conviction and you know why you do it, it, it no, I, they were supportive and understanding and they were always trying to be inclusive on, okay, there's no alcohol, but you want a mocktail or some sparkling water or something. Yeah, I'm, I'm lucky.
1: <laughs> and was it harder to go vegetarian or to take that additional step and give up dairy to become vegan?
2: Yeah, ah, that's a really good question. Um, Well, I'll tell you my personal perspective, but it's different for everybody. And I can tell you, for me, it was harder to give up meat. You know, for context and background, I'm a Mexican national. I used to eat tacos of every kind, right? Like tribe tacos and, and brain tacos and nose tacos and <laughs> pig, you know. Tongue tong tacos I love <laughs> Anyway, you got a picture <laughs> I'll stop <up> there but) <laughs> uh, And so for me, giving up meat And, and you know, living in, in Puerto Vallarta in, in beach destinations most of my life I loved seafood And it was really hard to give up
0: <laughs>
2: But for Nicole For my wife, it was harder to give up uh, dairy <laughs> Cheese, basically
1: Oh, ah, interesting. Interesting. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, and and Leon, what's your current exercise routine like?
2: Yeah. Uh, so I try to squeeze a run every morning. Um, lately, full disclosure, hit or miss uh, with the dynamics at home and the girls. But I try to go for a run every morning. And then on the weekends, I squeeze in my long run. And I do anywhere from 12 to 15 miles on the weekends. Um I, I recently also completed an Ironman, so I, I was biking a lot and swimming a lot. But a routine per se, I like to meditate in the mornings. I like to do my cardio, so just a few miles, like four to six miles uh, run in the mornings. And then I do some stretching or strength. Um, and, and that's it. That's my morning routine before getting into, into work mode.
1: And your, your Ironman was in Whistler, Whistler is that correct?
2: Whistler, Canada. Yes. Mm-hmm. A couple of summers ago, uh, beautiful course, uh, you know, um, amazing mountains, beautiful lake swim. Uh, one, it, it was a half Ironman. So 70.3 Ironman, uh, 1.2 mile swim, uh, 56 mile bike and 13.1 mile run. The run is always my strongest lick.
1: <laughs> Your run is the strongest and what's the weakest?
2: Uh, uh, Believe it or not, uh, biking, I think.
1: Uh huh. Uh-huh.
2: Uh Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, uh you know, I always lived in the ocean for the most part in my life and I always sw- swam and and I surf a lot. So that comes like kind of easy. Uh, biking, on the other hand, you know, for many people is the easiest one. But for me, you know, those heels and pushing the bike was tough. It's tough for me. And running, I, I always ran. You know, I, I played soccer for many, many years and I, I ran some, you know, a couple marathons. So that, that's my strong line.
1: Were you still playing soccer before COVID hit?
2: Yes, I, I was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a little league here in, in Seattle called GSSL Greater Seattle Soccer League. And it's a, you know, it's a competitive league. Uh, yeah. There's a funny story there. I, I grabbed, I started to manage a team on Division Four. And we were lucky enough to go to Division Three and two, and we got all the way to first division, and then covid it here. <laughs> so I had to uh, stop. Uh,
1: <laughs> did Did you notice any difference while you you know from your new eating habits um, while you were training and competing in the Ironman?
2: Absolutely, yes. Uh, and you know, I, I didn't shift my diet necessarily or mainly because of athletic performance, but I've seen yeah great benefits for example you know you just you you just get leaner naturally and you know all that training and all that running and and then on top of that healthy eating uh it just makes me lighter and faster and uh you know more endurance and and I've always been very blessed and, and lucky to have high stamina and endurance but i think that the vegan diet transition together with you know all the, the supplements or the you know the the Superfoods that I was trying to nourish my body with helped a lot for performance, yes, for sure.
1: What are some of the superfoods that you were consuming? Yeah, uh, so th-
2: there's a few, but I, I, I do uh, Boku, B-O-K-U. is a brand that I like a lot on organic superfood like shakes and supplements, uh, mushrooms, and uh, you know, a bunch of berries and veggies. Uh, those are some of the ones that I eat and then just regular non like natural non-processed a lot at all I eat a lot of nuts I love almonds and cashews and berries Uh, the wife cooks legumes like crazy right like beans uh, like good Mexican I like frijoles so very much Uh, and she's a great cook with that so it just you know, not necessarily superfoods per se, but a lot of a- ancient grains and a lot of legumes and uh, yeah, a lot of uh, fruits, vegetables, you know, kales, spinach. She's a master in the kitchen, so I'm very lucky in that regard.
1: Leon, do you have any plans to enter any future events or races?
2: Yes, I'm planning. Um, so the next one that I was looking at, I think it's March 2021 in California. And, uh, like I told you, I, I did a half Ironman, but I really want to do a full Ironman. So that's my next, next one on the bucket list.
1: Nice. Yeah. So you talked a little bit earlier about your, your morning routine, the fact that you, um, try to get a run in the fact that you meditate, the fact that you have a Boku shake, um, a green shake. What time are you getting up in the morning? Typically on a weekday.
2: I get up around 4.30, typically. Some days could be like 4.45, 5 o'clock is late already. And sometimes, you know, and I know this podcast is about sleeping, so I also have uh, my experiences around that. But uh, sometimes it can be tough nights and could be like as early as 3.30 and I just get up and go.
1: <laughs> and what time are you going to bed at night typically? Yeah,
2: I... I um, so, with our daughters being young and going to school, we're trying to put them down early. Early for us is like seven p m They're in bed right and then my wife and I have like an hour to wind down, so i ended up I end up in bed and sleeping by eight thirty or so um, and you know I like it i i guess i I've been getting used to it because I've been getting up earlier and earlier, and then getting tired earlier um uh, yeah, and we we have a little routine. You know, we we drink our teas in the evenings, and we put this, you know, uh, uh, essential oils around. And I started actually. I haven't told you this, but I started exploring with CBD oils and tinctures, and I actually find them quite helpful.
1: So it's interesting that you have a, a very clear wind down routine uh, in the evenings, which is just so so critical to signal to our bodies it's time for bed um, that's really fantastic to hear um, when you're getting up that early at four thirty um, can you give us the play by play? Do you run first? do you meditate first? what's the order of events?
2: I meditate first thing in the morning uh, I get up and I usually, try, I usually use an app, inside Timer or Calm or Headspace. Uh, lately, though, I've been trying to do self-guided meditations. So trying to sit for 30 minutes just with my breath and, you know, looking into myself and, and the light inside, inside and just try to put the mind in blank. <laughs> Very challenging, though. But uh, I do that first thing. Yeah. 30 minutes, 30 to 40 minutes. Uh, that's my first thing. I get up from bed. I go to the living room. I have a little meditation couch. Um, nobody's around. Everything is quiet and dark. And sometimes I even put my uh, my blinds. Uh, I don't know. That helps me sometimes focus a little bit more on the breath.
1: Uh, an eye and mask? Is that what? Yeah. Bl- eye okay. mask. Got it. My Got blinds. It.
2: Yeah, like Got a it. horse. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. Uh, so so you're always meditating in the same place of your house. You have a spot. Uh, I do. Mm-hmm.
2: Yes. Yes. And, you know, yeah, do the whole technique, I try to keep my back straight and, and get covered, get comfortable and feel, you know, the 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 uh, the resistance, the support in my body. Like, I think, to me, that's important, you know, feel that connection to the ground somehow, or not to the ground, but to the chair or the couch, and then, anyway, I get a picture. Um,
1: Have you ever uh, done any kind of meditation retreat or silent meditation retreat?
0: Uh,
2: You know, not really, I guess. I did some uh, courses like Search Inside Yourself with you in Seattle. So sort of kind of like a mindfulness meditation uh, training, but not really like a retreat. No, I've always been curious, and I've been uh, eyeballing a few here and there, but, you know, with the family and the girls, and I, I just feel very guilty to leave my girls with my wife while I go and do nothing really, right? <laughs> uh, so now I have it.
1: Can you share, Leon, with listeners just a little bit about what the Search Inside Yourself course from Google was all about, just really briefly, what it, what it was?
2: Yes, of course, very briefly. Uh, this Googler, uh, the very good fellow of Google, uh, wrote this book, Search Inside Yourself, And it it was basically a fundamental belief that meditation can change the world and humankind. And, you know, the play of words on search engine, Google, and search inside yourself is what he uses. And it's just a a class, a course on mindfulness and meditation and uh, introspection, I guess. And, and, you know, just... uh, uh, Approaching life with a different lens other than the regular West culture, go, go, don't stop, and driven, driven culture attitude, you know, slow down and take it easy. Basically, that's what it is.
1: Did anything change for you in terms of behaviors or habits after that course?
2: <laughs> yes, they did. It's funny. Yes, I think it was after then when I gave up alcohol. I was vegetarian and then slowly transition into the vegan uh, lifestyle. But but more fundamentally, yes, something changed. What what changes is how I approach life and how I approach happiness and well-being and trying to have, I guess that opened my eyes to have a clearer picture that, it's not all about a position or money or wealth or, uh, you know, who are you, or where you live or I guess it is everything about who are you, but we misinterpret who, who are we based on titles and external circumstances in life. And that helped me to be more open and introspectively, uh, accept myself and strive for a better place spiritually. Um, other than material, material stuff.
1: (laughs) Leon, now that you're working from home every day, as opposed to going into Google, has your diet changed at all now that you're eating all your meals at home rather than so many meals at work?
2: Um, yeah, that's a good question. Uh, So Google, because of the program and those of our listeners that don't know the program strives, which you helped craft greatly, uh, Uh, strives for a plant-based diet right and uh, of course with the options of uh, you know carnivore and and, and meat and proteins and other uh, so it makes it very easy at google to eat vegan Uh, at home i am very very lucky to have um, a wife again that loves to cook and that is a great cook uh, and that cooks for us uh, uh, vegan delicious dishes so Yes, it has changed just because at Google, it's more readily accessible, and you can have it whenever you want. You can maintain a very good... At home, I just need to be more mindful on what we buy, where we have it, not necessarily on the vegan versus non-vegan or non-vegetarian, but on the process, on the process items that are around the pantry, you know, that... That we need to be more mindful and careful on um, cultivating good habits versus <laughs> opening the door for bad ones.
1: Leon, earlier you talked a bit about your sleep schedule and the fact that you and your wife basically go to bed almost when your daughters do and, and get up quite early. What, what for you makes or breaks a great night of sleep?
2: I think what you were touching on, I think that having a routine to go to bed and signaling your body that you're ready to go to sleep, um, you know, I can improve greatly. I I don't. I think that taking hot showers in the evenings, is actually very helpful to relax. I don't do it quite often. I think I should do it more. But when I find out when I have a, a hot shower, I sleep better. Um, when I follow my routine, you know, my <laughs> lavender essential oils in the room help. You know, it just signals the body that you're going to have a good night. Um, I used to. I don't anymore, but I used to track my sleep very uh, consistently. And I find out that, uh, you know, those moments on deep sleep and the RAM uh, levels on sleep, uh, I, I felt better when I, uh, I was comfortable, when I was not too covered, not too hot, but I have a cozy nice blanket that helps. Again, my, I do wear an eye mask at night that helps in the, in the winter it's okay. But during the summer time, we're here in Seattle, it stays early. It stays bright until 9.00 PM and gets, uh, right very early. The eye mask definitely helps. Um, and as I was telling you, we, we do, we have a, a, whatever type of herbal tea we drink lately, we've been drinking chamomile with vanilla, something, uh, and I do. I, I've been trying, starting to explore with CBD, and I find it actually quite interesting. Uh, you know, a few drops of CBD oil and extract and tinctures help me to relax, and I find myself more rested when it's time to get up.
1: What you were saying earlier about um, hot showers is pretty interesting. It's not not just hot showers, but also a hot bath or a hot sauna or a hot tub for those fortunate to have access to those things. Um, what's crazy about it is it, it isn't it isn't only something that relaxes you, but it also actually counterintuitively it lowers your body temperature and when you fall asleep um, your body temperature drops a couple of degrees so in a sense it's actually preparing your body for sleep so it's it it works in a lot of different ways it's pretty interesting and I find it impacts my sleep uh, pretty significantly too so that's a great one that you brought up
2: in agreement yes
1: Tell us, Leon, about the online course you took recently at Yale, the Science of Well-Being. What was the format of the course, and what were some of the themes that you explored?
2: Yeah, uh, it, it's a very fun course. I highly recommend it. I hear that it's uh, Yale's number one Yale's number one course in the university and now outside of the university. Um, uh, so to be brief, I... I I really enjoy the course. Doctor Laurie Santos, who is the doctor that teaches the course online, is uh, you know super talented and very engaging and very down to earth. Um, I enjoy that she's a real person, you know, that she's real with real struggles, and she shares her opportunities to uh, to become happier and improve her well-being, and to that I relate a lot. Um, some, some topics that uh, come to mind are that our brain tricks us. Really, we think that certain things are going to make us happier, right? Like money or status or positions or wealth or you know whatnot. Uh, however, uh, we know that they don't. Yet, our brain understands that that those don't that. Things like experiences and and friendship and giving back and compassion and community is what really makes us happy. Yet our brain continues to trick us to not let go of those things that are material and mundane. Uh, So that part I really, really enjoyed. And I enjoy that uh, she gives you very tangible uh, exercises and techniques. To really, really, it's not just a course of um, theory. It's a course that, towards the end of it, it focuses heavily in practice, and that it you know invites you to record. Of course, that you're gonna get out what you put in in the course, but to practice uh, compassion and engagement with your community and helping others uh, and disconnecting from social media—that that's a huge one for well-being too, and, we can talk about it all the time, but I used to have all kinds of social media, right my Twitter, my Facebook, my instagram, my snapchat you name it i I quit them all, but like maybe like three four years ago, except LinkedIn LinkedIn I did keep because I use it for professional anyway that that's a that's a point that she makes in the course very strongly. how much are we obsessed or distracted or uh immersed in social media that doesn't allow us to focus on the real thing and our well-being. Things like that uh, is what I really enjoy the most, the meditation uh, piece of it, the giving, the giving physically and materially, and monetarily giving increases our happiness tremendously. And it's so counterintuitive, right? Like, well, am I going to let go of my money and that's going to make me happy? No, I want to keep my money. But then once I start practicing it, it it's remarkable how it i think it starts to change the structure of your thoughts and your brain
1: i'm glad you brought up um, social media um because you know unplugging from technology as you know is a as a theme of the podcast and we've had some interesting conversations over prior episodes about all the different ways that we can do that and be more mindful about how we engage with technology um I'm super excited about the course. I actually—I told you—I just literally signed up this week for it. I haven't started it yet. All I did was uh, click uh, yes, but um, I'm very excited about it. And you know, for any listeners who 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 want to uh, get on board, just do a search for Yale the Science of Well Being, and it's on the Coursera platform. C O U R S E R A, and we'll put this all in the show notes too. Um, Leon, tell us about the Happiness Lab.
2: Yes, the the Happiness Lab is, is a lab, an online lab platform that Dr. Laurie Santos uh started with Pushkin Industries. I have that in my head uh very fresh because I hear to her podcast very regularly. It's called the Happiness Lab and it's it's a very awesome podcast relevant for nowadays but also relevant just to humankind and and the science of well-being, and just improving ourselves uh, as people. Uh, the Happiness Lab has a bunch of different episodes, and uh, all the way from Aristotle and you know ancient thinkers and philosophers to COVID, to New Year's resolutions, to uh, you know the day-to-day, and and the. Uh, strive for improvement, uh, well-being improvement for for human beings. And it's a a very good uh, lab and podcast.
1: Was there anything that's been surprising to you, either from the website of the Happiness Lab or the podcast of the Happiness Lab? Anything that was um, just a real surprise?
2: A real surprise? (laughs) I I guess not really. And that's the interesting thing, uh, Kristen, in my opinion, that, I think as human beings, we know what's good for us, and we know what makes us happy. So surprising per se, not surprising, more reaffirming, reassuring, and motivating to actually practice them. Like, I I, I imagine that 90% of human beings agree and knowledge that if they sleep better, they perform better. Now, well, big caveat. I don't know. There's some people that might not agree with that. but. Um, we know that, yet we don't do it. And many times we choose not to do it. You know you, you know that putting your phone down a couple hours before going to bed is going to help you sleep better. We know that, right? Or shutting off the TV an hour or so before is going to help you sleep better. But we still choose not to do it. And we, we choose not to do it, not because we don't want to sleep better, but because... The, and I guess that's the most surprising thing to answer your question. That we know the answers and we know what's right and for us and for our own well-being, yet we don't do it. And it's that, uh, you know, Dr. Lori Santos, I don't know how she articulates it, but she's brilliant at motivating and encouraging people to do what we know in our head already. It's the best thing to do for ourselves.
1: Some of these things are sort of easier said than done. Uh, yeah. And the day-to-day reality of the pull of our phones and the pull of Facebook and the pull of Instagram and the pull of our email and the pull of all the crazy news, it's hard to resist sometimes. Yeah. So, Leon, you've been in one place now, Seattle, for what, seven years? Is that right? You and your family have been there six, seven years? I'm losing track.
2: Yeah, almost uh, five, five years. Five. Five. And yeah, and it's the place that we've been the most so far.
1: (laughs) So that's, it's quite a contrast to your life before. Um, I know you've touched a little bit on this earlier, but can you share a little bit more about what your career and lifestyle were like? Um, How how long you typically lived in locations before this?
2: (laughs) Yes, Uh, yes, very little. lived in locations before. Uh, my, so as I was telling earlier, I have my bachelor's in hospitality and tourism. And I I worked for three main companies throughout my career before joining Google. Four Seasons Hotels and Resorts, Ten Regis Hotels and Resorts, and Mandarin Oriental Hotels. And uh, I had the fortune to travel and open, travel to a lot of locations and open different luxury resorts in Puerto Rico and the Seychelles, in Russia, in Atlanta, Georgia, in Park City, Utah, in Hawaii, in two occasions, in Maui and Kauai, and obviously in Puerto Vallarta, where my first hotel adventure was. Uh, uh, Maybe for context, previous to that, my father was a hotelier, and he was a general manager in different places in in Mexico. So (laughs) now that I think about it, it's, it's very natural for me to move around and live in different places. So my dad would move every two or three years, Acapulco, Puerto Vallarta, Los Cabos, Guadalajara. And, you know, we would move and live in hotels, in, in the hotel with him. Um, I studied hospitality and my first international assignment after Puerto Vallarta, actually Punta Mita, uh, was to go to Maui, where I met my wife, Nicole. Uh I I ran the I was director of recreation at the Four Seasons Maui, <laughs> and it was a lot of fun. You know, we had a lot of food and beverage activities, and of course, uh, water sports and activities in in the hotel. And she used to run the spa, and so you know, I, the sparks came out of uh, everywhere, and uh, we connected, and we're very fortunate to then start starting to transfer. To new locations together. She would open the spa. I would open the food and beverage side of hotels, and that's why uh, we moved so so much. We would live two years. I guess the the maximum that we lived was in Kauai for two years, where my oldest daughter was born, Mila. And the shortest amount of time was maybe uh, Italy in the, in uh, not Venice but a Florence. Uh, we were there for a couple months. And then in the Seychelles, we were there for four months. So between two months and two years was the max amount of time that I would live in a, in a place before coming to Seattle with Google, where we've been for five years now.
1: You said earlier that you, when you were growing up, your family would live in the hotels that your dad was opening. Is that right? What are one or two memories as a young kid of uh, living uh, in a hotel?
2: That's a really fun question. Uh, um, well, a couple of memories. I remember in Cancun, when Cancun was just starting to be, you know, this was probably 30, 32 years ago or so. I was about eight years old, seven years old. My father was the GM there. Uh, we lived in Hotel Presidente, and we lived there because he was the GM. He, you know, we lived in a little suite there. And it was fun because uh, you know we would go to the restaurant and go to the pool and go to the beach all the time, and people there. You know, here comes the son of the GM list. You know, so it was it was fun dynamics. Uh, um, lots of great people, of course, a lot of you know attention and service and kindness. And uh, one wonders how much was it because uh, you were the son of the GM, or because you were just like, a fun kid to be around. I like to think the latter. I don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I remember in Cancun. I remember this clearly, and I don't tell this to a lot of people. But with uh, one of my sisters in the beach, I remember swimming in the ocean and and finding a small shark swimming in the ocean, like a small hammer shark. I I even remember uh, that was an experience that I would never forget. And in in Puerto Vallarta, in Cancun, in Isla Mujeres, you have all these amazing experiences of, you know, swimming with dolphins and turtles, and uh, I had a blessed uh, childhood, I think.
1: How often do you get back to Mexico? I mean, I know we're now in COVID times, but before COVID.
2: Yeah, funny you mentioned that, even during COVID, I we've been there a couple of times this year, responsibly and all. Uh, so, I go there often, I go like maybe twice, three times a year sometimes, my my father and my mother are divorced now. My father is in Puerto Vallarta. My mother is in Veracruz, so opposite sides of the country. And I take my daughters and my wife there to get acquainted with their half of their heritage. Uh,
1: and when you communicate with your three daughters, Leon, are you speaking in Spanish?
2: <laughs> Not as much as I should, I think. But yes, uh, my, my two youngest go to La Casita Feliz, as I was saying earlier. And my uh, oldest, my seven-year-old, goes to this uh, dual immersion school. So, you know, we're lucky that they get uh, some exposure there. But at home, I try to speak to them in Espanol, yes. And and Nicole, my wife, is happy about it, too, because she's starting to learn more and more, and she's getting more comfortable practicing it.
1: Leon, uh, can you share any book recommendations for our listeners?
2: Yes, I can. Let's see. Um I recently finished uh The Power of Now of uh Eckhart Tolle. I think it's his last name and it's a fantastic book, very very spiritual and very uh, very deep. Very simple yet very deep. Um I really like the The Untethered Soul. That's a very simple book to read, but again, so dense and so full of richness and meaning um, yeah, I read those two books i now not not spiritual or or self uh, uh, help uh, or improvement <laughs> related but we've also been reading this team of teams at work that I, <laughs> I had to be uh, I, I'm actually enjoying the story it's uh, organizational culture and change and agility and you know, it's just uh, different dynamics nowadays in organizations.
1: organization. You guys are reading that now. Were you? Weren't, wasn't everyone reading that like two years ago? Everyone's still yeah. reading it or getting yeah. new lessons? Yeah. New lessons. Yeah. Okay. Well,
2: all of the above. <laughs> A lot of new people. <laughs> it sounds familiar. Team uh, of teams. Yes, yes. Yes. A lot of new people. Yeah.
1: So Leon, you know, for any listeners who might be considering making big lifestyle changes themselves, whether it's uh-huh. going vegetarian or going vegan or giving up alcohol or training for their first race or training for a triathlon, do you have any advice for them on how to how to get going?
2: Yes. Yes, I do. Huh. Um, I say start somewhere. I say, don't try to make huge improvements all at once, Uh, you know, slowly, but surely it's better and it's more sustainable than making a huge leap. And then it's not going to be sustainable. You're going to fall back and not feel good about it. Uh, I think it's all about building healthy habits, you know, controversial how you describe healthy habits, uh, very personal, but but yeah, I think, uh, um, having a goal, being mindful of what you want. Look again. We all know what's best for us. So if you, if if we force, we force ourselves sometimes to make to to delay a reward or a gratification uh, for the sake of making a smarter, wiser decision and building a better habit it will pay off. And eventually I think our brains and our just our habitual beings will get accustomed and enjoy the new habits. And you won't miss, you know, whatever the, the, the bad habits could be. You know, I, at some point you don't, I didn't miss alcohol and I didn't miss meat or, or greasy cheese, you know, and I'm not saying that's bad or a lot of people love it and that's fine. That's great. It's just, uh, you know, I guess my advice is start slow, uh, be consistent, uh, forgive yourself, have compassion. Sometimes we're going to fall off the wagon and, and not beating ourselves for not sticking to the plan um, is important as well.
1: Leon, I know your family recently purchased an Airstream. That's very exciting. I'm, I'm drooling. Um, what inspired that purchase?
2: Ah. Uh, uh, yeah, it's uh, we've been talking about it for about two, or three years that we want to get an airstream. Why? Because <laughs> um, part, you see, I, I, again, on we already know what we already know. This uh, science of well-being course referred a lot to experiences versus material things, right? we knew what we knew, you know, we, I know that having experiences and giving experiences to my family and my daughters is much more valuable than giving them stuff. Right. And it's going to be there. It's not material. And, and so I, <laughs> all this to say that I believe that the Stream is going to be a vehicle literally <laughs> to provide uh, experiences to my family, you know, and adventures and, Wander around and, you know, get, go, go off, uh, you know, uh, get out of Seattle, go, go down south, go to Mexico, travel the country, go down to Patagonia eventually, Argentina, I don't know. Uh, and so I, we've been talking a lot about it. I, I was telling you maybe too much information, but this uh, uh, high senior executive in, in Google at some point a couple of years ago was referring to that as well. As a matter, as a, a topic to enjoy with his family, and that resonated with me. Uh, Philip Schindler uh, was saying that he he had just got an airstream, and so I really wanted to do it anyway. And I think that the COVID circumstances and our current life situation has kind of been a catalyst to come on, let's do it. So this Saturday in three days, we're gonna go pick it up, and we have orientation, and apparently there's driving classes for a nursing because you need to know the whole thing and great water and connections. And I don't know, we're, we're about to find out.
1: (laughs) Super exciting. I can't, I can't wait to hear about it. Uh, Leon, my last question for you today is where do you see yourself in five years or 10 years time? If you could look into a magic uh, crystal ball.
2: Hmm. I don't know. um, Would be the short answer. Mm -hmm. I think throughout my life i've been I, I had been very driven in in regards of growth, and when I say growth, I always look at my next position and my next title and my next you know promotion and uh, good or bad i've been I, I do I have to admit I've been chasing something, and uh i don't know I don't know what that has been other than I consider myself relatively successful from where I come from and where I am now. And I'm very fortunate and blessed and very humbly uh, admitting that I have certain level of success, but all that being said, I think that the real success comes when you start diving into yourself and trying to grow as a spiritual person. Right. And, Contrary to what I would have answered a couple of years ago, where do I see myself in five years and I would come up with a fancy title or a new job or or a business or whatever, Um, I think that I see myself being an inspiration to my daughters and to others to really care for themselves and be empathetic and compassionate and care for the real meaningful things in life and try to influence others to better themselves in that way, you know?
1: Well, Leon, thank you. That's uh, a beautiful place to end. And thank you so much for taking the time, but also sharing so many personal stories. Uh, it's really been an honor to have you on the show. Thank you.
2: Of course, Kristen. Thank you for inviting me. I am very humbled and I'm, I'm pleased that you had invited me. Thank you.
1: And for all our listeners out there, uh, thanks so much for tuning in today. Uh, If you feel inspired, please take a minute to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite listening platform and share the episode with your friends and subscribe. And have a great week. Happy Thanksgiving and take care, everyone.
0: Thanks for tuning in to the North Star Unplugged podcast. The audio version can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. If you like North Star Unplugged, please subscribe and leave a review on one of those channels. Finally, all prior episodes are also on the North Star Sleep School website at northstarsleepschool.com, which offers an e-newsletter you can sign up for.